Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 82. Today, I'll be interviewing Ann Alcott, author of When Things Get Too Loud. Ann lives with her family among giant rolls of cheese, romantic canals, and loads of bikes in the Netherlands. In her childhood, she spent countless hours running through the Black Forest in Germany, imagining all sorts of fantasy creatures and enchanted portals to other worlds. After dabbling in theater, visual arts, and designing children's clothing, her creative heart found the most fulfillment in telling stories for adults and children alike. As a mother of a neurodiverse child, inclusivity and acceptance have high priorities for her. Crafting stories to show the beauty of diversity, help children cope with different situations, is one way for her to try and erase the stigma around people who are different. So I'm really excited to have you today, Anne. And um, it's, I, I, you know, your book is just wonderful. I'm excited for you to talk about it. So well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about about talking, you know, talking about your book. And so the first thing I wanted to ask you was just what inspired you to write um, to write your book when things get too loud? Because this is your first picture book, right? This is my first picture book. Yes. Um, I think uh, three reasons why I really wanted to write this book. There was always kind of the idea um, in my mind to um, write a children's book, but this one especially because I felt like um, I wanted to help my child understand his emotions and find an easy way um, to express them without, you know, adult language or without having to, um, uh, yeah, realize that um, that he's in a difficult spot. So it's it's more for um, helping my kid have a guide. Uh, with an easy, understandable scale, um, when he's when when he's totally overloaded um, sensory wise. Another reason was because I wanted to help understand um, the parents that sometimes the children um, they uh, process uh, sensory information differently, and that is uh, totally okay. For example, we had a bunch of parents who um, didn't invite my kid for birthday parties or. Um, he wasn't allowed to go to playdates, but because he could um, get a little bit much. And I was a bit exhausted of having to explain um, why my oldest is reacting this way or um, that he's just really excited. So it's also a tool for other parents to understand children who just tick a little bit different um, and erase a bit of the stigma around uh, neurodiversity. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that. I just want to say like what your what makes your book really unique is this idea of the philometer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. I, I think that kids do really, really well when they have like a meter, you know, just as far as like, you know, I'm working with the kids on my caseload um, or even some of my adults when I ask them, you know, how are you feeling on a scale of like one to 10 or yeah. whatever yeah. it is, it's a visual 
um, way for them to communicate how they're feeling. Because sometimes, you know, verbally, it could be really hard to be able to express how they feel because a lot of times like emotional vocabulary is they, a lot of kids know what that feeling, they have feelings, but they don't know how to express them or they don't have the words to express them. So it comes out as maybe putting, you know, for kids who are sensitive to sound, putting their hands over their ears or running away. Or I've had situations where some of the kids I've worked with, like if we're in a loud situation, they might just try to leave the room um, because they just need quiet. They need to just, they they feel really just dysregulated. Um, So yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I feel like emotions are somehow intangible, especially if they're very uh, young children or if they're nonverbal. Like having a scale that looks like a thermometer or a traffic light is very easy to understand for them. You know, red is okay. It's getting too much. There is a stop here and green is being calm. So it's a very easily understand tool for even the youngest. So I had some readers saying that even the three-year-old got the concept. And um, I have on my website uh, free printables and you can print out a filometer and like color it in or have an emotion scale um, poster that kids can hang into their bedroom so that they can point out they have something physical they can hold in a hand and point at it or a parent can approach a child who has um, a a sensory meltdown um, with the with the philometer and can say, Hey, where are you at? And, um, what do you think we can do about it? And, um, because my child, when he has, um, when he gets overwhelmed, he doesn't know what's happening, right? He's already, um, everything is too much. He can't think clearly. So then I approach him and say, Hey, um, where do you think you're at? And, um, maybe we can find a way uh, out of the situation. So how did you like think of the feelometer? Like, I'm just curious about, you know, as a parent, you know, kind of, did it just sort of come up as like a sketch or like, cause I could see it being really useful as like a parent being like, oh, how could I get him to express like on a scale from one to 10? And then it turned into like more of like a visual support for him. So like, how did you think of the feelometer? Um, I think I just tried to boil it down to the most, simplest way of explaining um emotions on a scale uh and I like to rhyme and the book is on rhyme and I just kind of had a rhythm with the with changing the pages and the numbers growing and um yeah it just kind of clicked together yeah and that's what I like about it for anyone who doesn't have the book um so each page just shows different um different text about different levels on the uh feelometer which I think is really good because we could say, you know, what does the number one feel like? And this is what that feels like. And it's also written in rhyme, which is great for like any sort of like phonological awareness and kids who are just also like learning language, learning that things rhyme. Um, so, but I think overall, I think the text with the visuals and the feelometer can be really effective. Um, so I was wondering if, you know, as, as a parent of a child who is neuro, neurodiverse and who is very sensitive to noise, you know, what kind of tips would you give to other parents that are going through this with their child? Um, you know, like obviously like using the feelometer and using the book, but like any other parent tips that you would give to parents? 
I think the very first thing that comes to my mind is probably um, noise cancelling headphones. We have them. Uh, we have them at home if my eldest has to concentrate on things. We actually have a really great school. They are. Um, he's allowed to wear them almost all day, so he can concentrate on his tasks. Um, I would try and avoid really busy, intensive uh, places like indoor swimming pools and fairs or theme parks and if you have to go then try and have breaks in between them i i uh, even though they're looking like they're having fun like i know he's running around having fun you think like oh we can push it a little bit longer i know he needs a break every hour or so to get out of the overstimulation and um, calm down for himself so breaks are really important and um i feel another thing is that like screen time. I am not someone who like says screen time is bad for the kids or like, I don't know, they're not allowed to have an iPad. But for example, if my if my kid is on the iPad, um, his brain gets exercised, it gets overstimulated, but his body isn't. And I feel like every time it's the end of screen time, it kind of clashes. So we're trying to have it in like in the theme park, you know, short, short steps and breaks in between. But um, yeah, noise canceling headphones are great. So, um, so one of the things I want to talk about was your incorporation of the the snail in the story. So, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. About like, what's the connection with the snail? Um, so, the book is basically based on a picture I had. From my eldest, um, we used to live in Sweden and we had a little house near the ocean with the train tracks in the past. And um, there was this picture of him where he was riding to daycare with a basket full of snails in the front. And one little snail was kind of crawling up between the handlebars and was looking out. Um, So I had this in my mind as a main inspiration kind of of the book because he collected these snails. He was sitting behind our shed. He was collecting these snails and it always calmed him down. And um, all the other kids at daycare were grossed out about it. <laughs> he was walking into the room with like snails on his arms. Um, but he was so, it made him confident. It opened up conversation point as well. So you didn't have to, because um, social interactions can be scary. And um, but these animals are very small on a scale and they're very calming. Their movements are slow. Um, you know, they're nice to watch and they don't ask you for anything. They don't ask any questions. So my son really loved to uh, to spend time with them. And um, I felt also it's kind of a metaphor for sensitive children trying to hide. Like, you know, you drop the snail, you're making rash um, movements, the snail's hiding in their shell. So um, I kind of just connected it. And I know that a lot of um, autistic people have a special affinity for um, uh, snails and um, insects. And I think it's because, yeah, they're on a smaller scale. They don't ask you for any kind of um, social interactions. And they're very often conversation starters. Yeah, I could see that about snails, for sure. I didn't even think about it. That's why I would like to ask during yeah. these conversations because it's something that's like in, I know is in the author's like head, but not but not always like figured out unless like you have a conversation about it. Yeah, I feel like, like a lot of neurodiverse children are 
um, they probably carry too much empathy. It can be really overwhelming. They can't filter out the emotions they're having. And um, animals are an easy way of um, building connections and, um, yeah, coping with with uh, too much sensory overload. I feel like it's easier to connect to an animal than it is to a, to a human. Yeah. And the other thing I also like is in the back of your book, you also have like kind of other tips, Yeah, that, you know, uh, of the other things that kids could do when things get too loud. I think it's really, um, really nice for kids just to look at. And the other thing I want to ask you was just about the process in publishing the book and the illustration. Yeah. So I did the illustrations as well. I, I have, um, uh, I have a little bit of background in drawing, but never did any kind of digital drawing or drawing for books. So I am a person who likes to do everything by themselves. And um, when I was looking at the very beginning, I was looking for an illustrator and couldn't really afford the people I really liked. And I thought, I'll just give it a try. And um, it seemed to work out okay. Um, and Adorable. Yeah, so how did you, you did this digitally on the computer? Like how did that, I'm just curious, like how you learned how to do that on your own. That's great. I had a, well, I sketched everything down and then I drew it on a um, free program on my Mac. And then I bought myself a little digital drawing pad where I'm drawing with a pen on the pad and then see it on the screen. These are quite cheap. So I'm trying always to find the easiest, uh, most cost-effective way of doing things myself. And uh, I got good feedback about the illustrations. So I thought like, well, apparently, you know, I'm okay at this. It's adorable. It's not, you're very yeah. talented. The illustrations are great. Yeah. They really um, are. And they're, they're really, you know, I think it's key to get those, you know, just like also because I write my own books too, like, the, the marriage with the illustration is so important because it it tells it, it helps to tell the story with the text. So I would find that quite hard to have to convey it to a second person what exactly I want. Um, and, um, and I wanted to say something enough about that. <laughs> Do you have any plans for any any future books? Yes, I am actually just finished my illustrations for a second book, which is going to be published in December. Um, And it's all about body boundaries Um, in a rhyme again. And my kids love this story so much. Uh, I think I I read it to them about two months ago. They're still asking when the book is coming. So I'm very excited about that one as well. Yeah. Wow. That's so exciting. And, and one more question too. I just wanted to see how your son felt about this book when things get too loud. Like how did he react to, to the story when you read it to him when it was all finished? I think he realized he could find himself um, in the main character. He was, um, he was like, Hey, this looks like our house in Sweden. And Hey, I know this kind of garden, you know, he could like, <laughs> He, he recognized himself in the person. Um, now he's eight and thinks probably it's a little bit less cool. But um, I have a four-year-old who really, really enjoys it. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. That's great. There was one thing that he can very much connect to. Is I have this page where um, Bo says, uh, and for once I don't have to pretend I am actually okay. 
And I, I try to paint parallels to um, the masking a lot of kids have to do in order to be seen as uh, neurotypical or um, not to, you know, to kind of fit in. For example, when he goes to school um, and the teacher says, hey, he had a really great day today. Um, you know, he was very focused. I know that he was masking the whole day. He was trying to hold it together. He was looking how the other kids are reacting and he was copying those, yeah, those expressions. And then as soon as we're coming home, because he is in a safe environment, it's all coming out. He's totally overwhelmed. So, um, yeah, so the masking thing was very important for me to kind of put it into the rhyme. I don't know if that came across um, in the rhyme, but yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Oh, well, that's, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful book for, for anyone out there, I think, who's listening, um, who either has a child who may be sensitive to sound or also I think it's great for siblings or I also think it's great like just for a classroom to get kids to understand what it feels like to feel overwhelmed with sound because you know, also I found, I found a lot of times I found when the kids came back after the pandemic um, or when all the kids wound up coming back and it was just like maybe half the kids in the class. And then now that all the kids are in the class, I did find that a lot of kids were overwhelmed with the noise because mm-hmm. they were getting, they were very used to things being much more quiet. Um, and then when all the kids came back to school, it was like an adjustment to be yeah. able to adjust to like, you know, kind of, all the different stimulation that maybe wasn't there before. Um, so, but th- thank you so much for, you know, being on today. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish up? Um, just that it's also a great reminder for myself. You know, I am stressed. I'm tired at the end of the day. And sometimes the kids are being difficult and it's kind of a reflection for myself to say, okay, this is what they need. Um, this is where they're at. And um, so it also helps me. And what's the best way of people connecting with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram over Tiny Horse Books. Um, I do have a um, website, which I kind of feed myself. So it's not looking that great, but I'm getting it fixed this moment, uh, this month. It's called An Awkward Author. And um, yeah, I think that's basically it. So Instagram is possibly the best way. Yeah, and that's how we met. And that's how I found out about your book. That's why I think it's so great to connect and to meet other people. I mean, that's what we were talking about before, how the world could just seem so small when you're able to connect about, you know, kind of the different different topics that affect us all, regardless of where, the, where you live. You know, it, it's like, that's, I think, one of the comforting things is that I think a lot of parents struggle with this. They struggle when they're their kids feel overwhelmed with noise mm-hmm. because you it limits them. I think it limits kids socially sometimes. You know, you were saying like not being able to get invited to parties and things like that when, um, you know, it, it's it's hard. It's hard for the kids. It's hard for the parents. It can get very easily misunderstood that, hey, your child is not behaving or mm-hmm. my kid is being difficult because the usual parenting methods aren't working, but it's because the kids are needing something else. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. So thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to seeing your next book. Yes. And um, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. Time.